What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. everyone and welcome to episode 14 of the official Pelicans podcast of HoopBall.com. We're providing in-flight insight for all Pella fans out there. I'm your host Nick Garisco and as always I'm here with Pelicans expert Michael Pelache. You can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Pelicans. I'm at Fantasy Law Guy and hey feel free to engage with us on social media and definitely help support our pod by subscribing and rating us on your preferred podcast provider. Today's episode projects to be outstanding, and we'll tip off with something not outstanding, and that is the 2019 and 2020 New Orleans Pelicans. We are riding a 12-game losing streak, and the Pelicans are now 6-21. We just played the Magic. Uh, before we get into the travesty and the devastation that is this season and we'll talk about what went wrong and a little bit about the future uh michael did you get a chance to see the magic game we're recording this right after the magic game ended on sunday so michael what were your thought of what were your thoughts about the orlando game uh it man i i'm having a hard time right now it's it's to the point like where I just there's no joy watching a Pelicans game at all. It really isn't because there's so many things that are going wrong where I just feel like no matter what, no matter how we look in the first half, I just feel like inevitably at some point we're just we're going to unfold, you know, not unfold, but we're just going to break down and, and we're going to lose it. And and uh, yeah, right now that's exactly what's happening. And that's that's what happened today. These it's it's tough to be on a 12 game losing streak, but the these aren't just losses, right? This is this is a totally different manner of losing than I would say in the beginning of the season when the Pelicans were losing close games and just not being able to pull it out in the fourth after a, uh, for the most part, heavily contested battle. And you can tell the players are fighting hard. 
these are blowouts, right? Yeah, and I would say, I mean, like, even today, I mean, our defense is so bad at this point that it doesn't matter who we're playing, really. It, it just feels like we're playing prime Golden State every night because that's what happens. It's like you're going to have some games where you could literally do everything right and teams are going to put up, at our pace, maybe 115 points. But consistently, teams are putting up 120-plus against us, and we're just bad. Like, we're, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We just we can't defend anybody in any way whatsoever. Yeah, it's gotten and to it's, the point where now other teams seem to be happy that they're playing the Pelicans, and that's the ultimate embarrassment of the league when you have other teams kind of circling that game on the schedule. It's like, oh, okay, that's like the New York Knicks or – you know, that's the Charlotte Hornets or whoever it is, Chicago Bills, whoever it is. Um, you could even argue Golden State this year. But whoever it is, that seems to be – teams are just having their way. And, it, and teams are able to start, you know, kind of resting their star players against us because they feel they can win the game anyway. And the Pelicans aren't really doing anything to, uh, I guess – justify any optimism going forward i mean i know we're waiting for zion williamson but this season has not gone anything or any way as planned uh before we talk about you know potential reasons for optimism and potentially what we're looking for in the future let's talk about what exactly went wrong when the season ends this year which I already feel like it can't come soon enough, right? Even though we're only just after a yeah. quarter into the season. But when the season ends this season, and I'm I'm presuming, I, I'm going to go ahead and call it. You know, I, I don't know about you. I know we're technically only five or six games out of the eighth seed, but I'm going to go ahead and call it. Um, when the season ends, I'm wondering what's going to, what are fans going to look back on and say, okay, this is why the Pelicans weren't as advertiser one as good as expectations uh i would probably say that man i it's a hard question i mean defense is the easiest way to, to thing to point to i i would say that we're installing a new defensive system with a roster that continuously changes you know i had done a study i, I just was basically going through statistics earlier this week and I, I looked at it and we were pretty far like it was us and i think it was the hawks um, but we had, you know, you don't get all of your minutes from your top units, but we had, I think our top unit at that point had something like 75 minutes. The highest one was Denver. I think they were around 400. So like that was our top unit. And I think even when you combined our top five most played units, and when I say top, I mean most played, it was some crazy number, like 200 something minutes. Like it just... There's no continuity whatsoever in the roster, but it doesn't justify like that's the thing is like there's all these reasons that we can point to and say this is a reason like that injuries, it didn't go well. Injuries. Yeah, lack injuries of like that kind exactly. Of stuff. All that stuff is that's all those are all reasonable things to point out. But I, I really mean this when I say like what what is going on right now is is flat out embarrassing. And you can you can tell like they look they look hopeless. It's not that they're losing, it's that they're playing in a way where I legitimately look at them and I'm like, they just look like they are not having any fun out there whatsoever. I mean, I th they're getting crushed, man. Like th this is and what's crazy about this. Like this is a very simple math thing, right? But so we've lost 12 games in a row, right? We're six and 21, and I and I, all you're doing is subtracting 12 losses, right? So we were six and nine. We were six and nine 12 games ago, 
Right. And and I <laughs> don't sound like pace. much, but we, at that point we were only two games out of the eighth seed, and we were still talking about the playoffs. And that was like two or three weeks ago, two or three podcasts ago. And now there's a totally different tone, and it seems like it happened all so quickly. Uh, I mean, the last three podcasts, I mean, it just feels like forever, really. In, in one way, it feels like forever that we haven't gotten a win. But in the other way, it feels like, gosh, it was only two or three weeks ago that you know we were in contention now. And now, even though we still are, I guess, five or six games back, I still feel like the season – I just have a totally different outlook on the season now. Uh, and I just don't think this is the year that the Pelicans can, can even contend for the playoffs, uh, even with Zion Williamson coming back whenever that is supposed to be. Well, well, think about this way. So, like, what's crazy about this is you and I recorded a podcast with Schmidt a long time ago. And we all gave our predictions. And Vegas was around 38 or 39. I think it had shifted one, maybe to 39. And this, to be fair, this was before Zion got hurt. Right. Um, and obviously that factors in here. Like, I don't, the team would not be this bad if we hadn't had the injury lux. But that doesn't mean that we would have been good. You know, like, it's a difference between being 6 and 21 and 11 and whatever. You know, I, I guess it's Yeah, we would have underperformed yeah, regardless so, of Zion. That's not, probably, that is yeah. not, uh, I mean, it is an excuse. But that is not but, the reason to think that we'd be, you know, I would say at our level of expectation. Well, and what, I, what I'm saying here is what's crazy about it is 38, 39, whatever. We're on pace right now for like 18 wins. Yeah, which is almost historically that's low. Horribly for that's that's yeah. an awful team. We I mean, we're playing better than the Warriors uh, who are trotting out basically a G League team right now. Um, we're in line with the Hawks. Well, let's talk about the, the Warriors, though, because the Warriors are an, uh, kind of purposely trotting out a G League team, I would argue, because yes. they want to tank. Uh, are we near that level yet? Let's talk about kind of the future. What can we've mentioned kind of what went wrong? I think the defense and the injuries are the main. Uh, yeah, I mean, you spoke about defense. I'm saying injuries here. Those are the main reasons, I think, at the tail of this season, the way it went. Those are the main reasons the culprits here. They are the two major factors. I think lack. I think injuries kind of leads in the lack of continuity, of course, and lack of chemistry. But those are the main two reasons. But let's talk about going forward now. Man, the state of the Pelicans right now is now we're kind of in this position where uh, the Pelicans have to. I, I I don't know. It depends on who you talk to because we're in an awkward position depending on who you talk to because Alvin Gentry is obviously trying to win to save his job which we can get into later on in this podcast. But but anyone else, you know, David Griffin, everybody, all these other Pelicans players, they are, you know, David Griffin might actually think it might be more advantageous to start that, uh, maybe not active tanking, but to start that passive tanking process. What are your thoughts? I think it's actually time to evaluate whether or not we have a coaching change. I, we've talked about this before. I don't, I, I'm not one to pull that lever very often. But I, I'm not worried about winning games. I'm really not. Like I don't at this point, like you, I think that the season is pretty much over, barring some sort of crazy shift that no one could predict with an actual like ounce of credibility. Yeah, like if you predicted, yeah. I, I would call you you're just a crazy optimist at this point because there's nothing that suggests that like we're about to turn this thing around. So yeah. whatever it is, I, I don't know if that's. I don't think it's a coaching thing. Like even Drew Holiday came out the other day and said. Your coach can't t- like get the players to work hard. 
but it's pretty clear that it's not. What do, Whatever it is, it's not working. What do you mean? I mean, so I, I don't like that statement. Your coach well, can't not, get the players to work hard. Your, your coach, okay. If you're, if you're, of course, your coach you can get your players to just, work hard. I think that's one of the coach's main I jobs. Agree. I don't think that that's the case. You don't I think that th- you're. Wait, you're saying you disagree with the yes. concept that a coach can't get his players to play hard. I think a coach can influence it in either direction a little bit, but I don't think it's the main reason. I don't like I the think way typically... we're getting blown out, though. Like, we're getting blown I out agree. so badly, and yeah. the players don't have any motivation or or passion, I guess. That, to me, screams coaching problem. I disagree. I, I don't think well, you what can— what do you think it screams? Like, because I think it screams that we have like an actual issue in our locker room. I just don't okay. think coaching is the one issue. I just think coaching is the easiest one to fix. Okay, if you think does that make sense? A, no, it makes sense if you're gonna go where I think you're gonna go with it. If you're saying that it's a locker room issue when you lack when you have, I can agree with that. But coach obviously is part of the locker room. Are you suggesting that Correct. the main reason is we don't have a vocal leader like a player? Yes. Okay. I would say that I don't think we have the right mix of personalities. I, I do think the coach can influence it. I'm not saying the coach is outside of that. But in the same way, like these are professional basketball players. And I think the people who stick, coaches can bring out the best or not bring out the best in players, right? Like that's clearly a thing, but it has to be there. And a coach can't be responsible for all of our players. You see what I'm saying? Like it just not it just feels like a cop out to me. But I'm not saying that it can't influence it, and that's why I'm saying that at this point, I don't know what else you do. I mean, do you do you trade some of the, your veteran players who are the only ones maybe holding this thing even partially together? Do you – like, trades are a lot harder to orchestrate than firing a coach, having an interim coach or whatever. I don't know what it is. Right. I, I can just – I'm not there like, to you know suggest like, trades yet. I'm not quite there in terms yeah. of totally active tanking. Like, okay, tra- trade J.J. Redick, trade, you know, Drew Holiday. No, I'm not into that yet. Or, and I might not ever be. Like I, I think that Reddick and and Drew Holiday could potentially be here for next year. And if the Pelicans get the health right and they get, you know, they work out some of the defensive woes, we could actually compete for the playoffs next year. I know that sounds optimistic, but you know, if we don't have all these injuries, who really knows where we're at? Now we're probably still underperforming, but again, we're still only five games out of the playoff race. I, I just think that to me, my version of passively tanking is okay. Yeah, you're going to start focusing on development. I'm develop. Sorry, development of the players. That doesn't mean just trading all of your assets. You know, um, it might mean moving I, yeah. Gentry though. Where where do you stand? I think the one argument to keep Gentry is that he hasn't gotten to coach with Zion Williamson yet. Right. I think that's the number one maybe reason David Griffin might be holding on, like saying. Hey, it's not fair to Gentry that all of these players that we're the most injured team in the league. It's not fair that our star player, you know, got hurt or sprained his ACL in the preseason is going to miss almost half the year. So let's give Gentry a chance there. The other reason that you might want to keep Gentry at least temporarily is what good does it do to fire your coach 30 games into the year, right? Um, why not just I agree. stick with him yeah. for the rest of the year and then just kind of you can you can kind of recruit quietly throughout the year and kind of feel out options there. But unless there's a unless there's a coach on our roster right now that can come in and be an interim coach for the rest of the year, 
I don't know. I don't really know if it makes sense to fire Gentry, but my stance is about Gentry is I do think it's time this offseason for him to go. I, I agree with that. I think what makes it awkward – okay, here's where I stand. I think that, like you said, I think the main reason would be if you want to keep Gentry, I actually think it has nothing to do with Zion. I think okay. it has to do with the fact that – because I don't think you take Zion out of this, we still should not be where we are or anywhere close. And, again, I think coaching usually sways things maybe a couple games either direction. I don't think most coaches make a huge impact in the win column. But at the same time, like, we're so – it's not just that we're losing. It's the way that we're losing. And, uh, right, we're getting killed. And I, I think if you fire him, it's because the culture under him has lo- been lost. Like, that would be the reason. I don't have any insight to say that that's the case. I can only see that the culture is wrong. If that's wrong because of, you know, let's just pretend, like, James James Jones, like some just random name, right? That guy's in the locker room. He's messing up everything, and no one's saying it. Like maybe that's happening. I don't. I don't know what it is, but there's there's something wrong. I mean, that team has no, like, there's just something qualitatively wrong about watching them, and and they just feel they look defeated. And I think, I don't know what that is. So I don't know if that's Gentry, but I, I agree. I I don't think he's done. He's done nothing at this point in his his tenure here to say. I, you know, I think he's the guy for us. Right. So it's That's if you fire thing. him, it's not because right. And if you fire him, I don't think he's. I'm not saying he's done an awful job. I'm just saying like I don't know how many levers you can pull. That might be one lever to stop the bleeding, where like they just need a shift so they can mentally shift. And it might not be because Gentry's bad or whatever. It might just be because they need some sort of change. But the the, the expense of that is that now you're you have all these young players. And you're already giving them a very, very unstable environment. Does that make sense? Like those are those are the things that I look at. And I, I don't know. I don't know if it's right to fire him. I, I have no clue. Like yes, you I think are, you have to be around the team. You are pulling. I like the young player. You know, kind of creating instability there because you do have a bunch of young players, and if you take their coach from under them, then they have to learn all new systems and stuff. But here's the thing: they haven't bought into Gentry's system. They don't, they're not good in Gentry system. So I don't mind, you know, I don't mind the concept of changing offenses or changing defenses with a new coach when you have these young players. What we have here isn't working. Gentry system isn't working. And the players aren't buying into it. And they're, for whatever reason, there's no real passionate leader. And if you can't find it in the players, which I'm sure we'll look for one this offseason, but if you can't find it among the players in the locker room, then maybe it's the coach who needs to say something, or maybe it's the coach who needs oh, to be. I, I think it's a. I agree. I, it's possible. I'm not like I think. I think defining it as that you're saying they're not buying into a system. I don't. I don't see the evidence that that is the reason. I, I don't see such overwhelming evidence that that's the only reason. Does that make sense? Like it. I think it's possible, but I think we're being way too. I think you have to be around the team to know that, and so I think it's a possibility. But I. I you don't. Does that make sense? Kind of. My, the best argument, I think, for getting rid of Gentry is actually, and I hate leading, you know, I'm an attorney, and I hate kind of leading in. You never want your lead argument in a case to be a negative, but, but like a negative argument. I'll explain in a second. But what I mean by that is the best argument for why Gentry should go is that he doesn't have a reason we, he, we should keep him, right? What's the argument for keeping Gentry? 
I, I can't think okay. of one. I honestly can't. I, and I hate leading with the negative. I hate that, that that's my main argument. But in sports, it might be a little different than being an attorney. I, I don't know. But it just seems to me like if we can't come up with one reason to keep Gentry, then it's probably time to go. I, I think that you're – okay, so – I agree in the sense I don't have a strong argument. I think if you made a strong argument for Gentry, would it would it be, be because – I think it would be – This is again, this is not me saying this is the case. I but know, I, but yeah, I, play devil's advocate. Yeah, hypothetically. Okay, hypothetically, let's just pretend Gentry is beloved among the players. You might have a couple of bad apples in the locker room that we're not getting wind of or there might not be the right chemistry mix in the locker room or whatever it is. Maybe some players, you know, regardless of the coach that you would have – would, would, would just not respond, and maybe that drags down the other players, especially when you're losing, especially when your roster's having so much turnover. So all of a sudden you yank the coach, and the one thing that's kind of like been, I mean, not holding it all together feels like a weird way of saying just it because stable. they certainly have. I would say stable yeah, just at, like, that's stability. at maximum. You know, that, that's right. a real compliment. Then all of a sudden that's gone. Yeah, so that, that would be my argument. But that's not, I mean, that's not... A, an argument that really endorses him. That's it's just not an a, argument a possibility. For, for next season. Yeah. It's an argument that endorses no. him for keeping him throughout the remainder of this Correct. trashed, ruined, devastated season, which is fine. And I think, Again, I don't disagree with that, but I do right. think it's and time I, to look forward. I guess it's not time to do that now. Right now it's time to start developing players, I would say. And right yes. now it's time to see which players fit next to Zion when he returns. The player development comes first, but – at the end of the season, it's time to start thinking about, you know, whether – actually, I, I don't even want to say whether we fire Gentry unless we have some really miracle turnaround. I do think – I mean, I'll go ahead and make the prediction. I do think that this is Gentry's last year with the Pelicans. I, th I don't think he's going to last longer than this offseason. Um, I do think that it sounds harsh, but I think he's gotten plenty enough chances. Gentry's been our coach for – Quite a bit. I mean, how many years has it been? Like five? Uh, he's been here for a while. Yeah. I, I would say I, I think you're right that he's had the chances. I don't think he's ever – I don't think he's ever outperformed really expectations outside of maybe that that year. That I think they were 48 and 34. There was the year that we beat the Trailblazers in the first round. Right. Um, I would say that we probably slight – I don't know, maybe slightly outperformed where we should have been. But I would say consistently – you know, one thing – I really do like this argument a lot. This is the argument that – um, Jason Colmey's made to me years ago. He said, because we, we got rid of Monty and we got Gentry. He, he always said, Monty is a very highly controlled coach. So he gives the system to the players. And for young players, that sort of rigidity can often be good because they don't know how to make decisions. And he said, for, for bad teams, I'm sorry, for, for good teams, that limits what they can do because they don't have the flexibility to adapt the way that a great player should have. And he said it's the opposite with Gentry. He said Gentry kind of likes that sort of free-flow offense, the same kind of offense that someone like Golden State or a great team with great decision-makers would run, and that that might actually lower our floor because it can go really badly with players who don't know what they're doing, and it can raise our ceiling. So, like, you can be and, – and even with Monty, Monty's doing well with – I think he said this the last pod podcast. Like, Monty's doing well with Phoenix right now. So the, the people were calling for Monty's head the same way. So, like – Let's get rid of the scapegoating, but at the same time recognize what you're saying is true, that there really isn't anything from the outside looking in to suggest that Gentry it should be our head coach, you know, that we shouldn't be exploring other opportunities. And I think 
like I, I'm not trying to go on a rant. I'm not. I, it's just frustrating. Like it's all this. This whole thing is frustrating, and I I see arguments why, you know, Gentry should go, but I, I really don't see any that he should stay. But again, I don't have insight into what the team looks like in the locker room and their culture and all that stuff. I just know that all the things that we were promised to start the season are sort of you know fed in terms of media. Just there's not coming true, and it just doesn't appear that all these like won't back down. Like this whole this mantra, it's just not it's not there. I mean, if anything, they're laying down for everybody right now. <laughs> yeah, we're certainly uh, certainly not following the mantra there. Uh, I think it's showing up on the scoreboard. I think that the scoreboard is pretty much all you need to know about where the locker room stands, where Alvin Gentry stands with his players, and. I don't know. I just don't see the players being too disappointed if Gentry's let go. Even in the middle of the season, I don't see any sort of uproar happening here. Uh, I think I always like to look at the Pelicans beat writers, aside from you, and, and what they're tweeting. I always keep up with their tweets. And I loved uh, Schmidt's tweet the other day. He said that the combination of quiet players and a laissez-faire personality in Alvin Gentry has led to a mess from a chemistry standpoint. There are no strong voices in the locker room. None. Oh, I, I believe it for sure. I mean, this team needs, needs a jerk. I, I mean, that's just the way that it is. I, it's great to have a bunch of people who get along, but sometimes you need someone who isn't always so pleasant to take people where they don't want to go, you know? And I think, I think I absolutely think that there's validity to that statement. We were talking about that exact thing on the group chat maybe two weeks ago. Uh, we had the exact same conversation, and I think it's true. Yeah, and other players, whether it's Zion Williamson being hurt or whether it's Derek Favors with the passing of his mother, he had a Derek Favors after I, I believe it was last Tuesday's game. A reporter asked him. Um, kind of how he was doing and his quote was I was in a place where I didn't know if I could continue if I could continue to play or continue to do anything so obviously and he's missed you know 10 games uh, from the passing of his mother and I just feel like there's so many you know it's over there's too much stuff that's gone wrong uh, most of it, which we can't help, but some of it that the players can help, you know, their motivation, their work ethic, the, you know, their passion for the game, that kind of stuff. Uh, but this is just not the team that's going to make the playoffs. And there's too many stuff. There's too many things that have gone wrong. And I think it's time to start transitioning into that development phase where we start focusing on player development as opposed to actually winning basketball games. And sometimes those don't really align a hundred percent i agree yeah no, i think it's i think it's like we're maybe a game away from that so who <laughs> it's it's really close who yeah. are some of the players that you're looking to seeing in the second half that you want to see whether they belong on the new orleans pelicans 2021 team uh well okay so i already know the two that were we have okay so looking forward right and this season has been a colossal disaster so we all we all know that that's the case so but but and someone pointed us out on twitter the other day they were saying you know like you can have that without losing sight of the fact that this year what's happening will be meaningless in the grand scheme of things 
if certain things happen, right? So, like, we still have no bad contracts. We still have Zion Williamson, who, you know, God bless him. I, I hope he's healthy because I, I just, I, it'll be, I don't know if I can handle another star getting, like, because Zion looks seems amazing. So I don't, I don't want to see him crash and burn. I hope he gets healthy, all that stuff. If he stays healthy and he has a career that I think he's going to have, and if Brandon Ingram continues to develop the way that he is developing, we are in a really good spot. I know it doesn't seem that way, but yeah, we have, three we have two players. Play- well, two players. If you include yeah, Drew have- in the future, which I guess is— Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a maybe. But but if you include I, yeah. Drew Holiday—I'm talking about the foreseeable future, like 2021—if you include Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson, that's your core of three. And I know the goal is just to develop you know, role players around those guys, but— you know, isn't Derek Favors in a one-year deal? I mean, isn't he a free agent next year? And, you know, I know J.J. Redick is, you know, he's another guy who's going to be pursued by a lot of teams that want to add a three-point shooter veteran that are actually competing for but championships. J.J.'s under contract. J.J.'s under no, contract. No, I'm not talking about the trade deadline. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I, from what I had heard, someone had just, like, asked him, recently what he was you know thinking and whatever he said he's totally committed i guess that could all be lip service or whatever um but yeah i mean i it's okay so favors has yeah favors is gone like i mean i it, in terms of like he's his contract contractual obligation i can't even talk right now his contractual obligation is over after this year reddick is not i i wouldn't be surprised to see reddick hang around i'd be more surprised to see drew not ask out at some point if it continues to go this way like i don't he even said that Anthony Davis at some point, he said this, that Anthony Davis was 90% of the reason he stayed. So you say something like that, and then you go through a season like this, I would be, I don't even know if I'd be happy if Drew stayed. Because for him, I, I just don't want him to have to play in this kind of environment. I, I, I just think he deserves better. Does that make sense? Like, I'd, I'd actually be sad for Drew if Drew stuck around through all this. Yeah, but it's more because I think the Pelicans that he stays, though. So probably maybe, I mean, I don't know. Like you need at some point we need, like, again, I don't like cursing the, we need an asshole in this team period. Like they need that yesterday. And I don't know who that is. I, they could get Joe Kim Noah for all I care. Like I Joe Kim Noah. I can't remember, you know, if he has like off court concerns, but I remember watching him maybe like seven years ago when we were going through another rebuild and it was really tough. We wa- <laughs> So Gravis Vaz- Vazquez was the point guard at that time, and I remember we were down by like 20 points, and for whatever reason, Noah was still on the court, and he defended Vazquez to the end of the possession, and I think the shot clock ran out, and he didn't get a shot off, or like he, he just, just destroyed, like didn't even come close to the rim. And so Noah starts clapping like he just won the finals. <laughs> And like I love that kind of player, yeah. I love that kind of player, and I think you need someone who's a little bit nasty. No, and so, and I don't even know if the, I don't know if the player has to be that good. I think it's better if he is, but I don't think necessarily that he has to be. I think you just need someone to get in people's faces that they respect, as long as they respect, and as long as he's, you know, doing things in a way where he's trying to get them to be better rather than just putting them down. I mean, you don't want a, an actual jerk who's just there to <laughs> tear people down. You want someone who to pull something out of people that they that they don't even know that they're capable of. And I think sometimes you need someone who's aggressive to do that. And I think this team absolutely does need that. So I, we, we're getting way off topic here. but I, I What about Lonzo? I think, what about Lonzo and his future with the Pelicans? Lonzo needs to start driving. I, I think he's trying. Um, I have concerns 
about whether Lonzo. We we talked about this before the season. I, I didn't think he was a traditional point guard, but the degree to which he hasn't been has been surprising to me in a negative way. And I don't know. You know, one of the guys in our group chat was saying how his pedigree is a big problem because people expect him to be number two pick, whereas if he was twenty five or thirty he could develop in a way where it's different, right? Like, he doesn't have that set of expectations. Well, Gentry's starting um, to put, put him coming off the bench. So, Gentry is, Gentry is actually kind of refusing to see his uh, pedigree and his draft status as uh, – as he's not seeing it as any sort of impediment there. And he's he's just go ahead, you know, come he's coming off start, the bench. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's – yeah, I agree. And I think – it's hard because like you don't I think in some ways you just need to let him loose and let him be, you know, like without any consequence, just do whatever you can do. And if you suck at it for right now, that's OK. Let's let's make our mistakes now. But I, I think there's too many young players on this roster. I really do. I think you really can't get you can't get all the players the kind of time that they need when you have people like Drew Holiday on the team and, and you know, all these like Ken Rich has earned his minutes uh you know Hayes has earned his minutes he's young but like you you there's so many players on this team that could play any given night you you can't invest in all of them equally and you, you shouldn't right like you should pick the guys that you want to invest in and I think that's a problem like they have too many young guys they need to get rid of a couple of them not because they're bad players or because we don't want them but because at some level your amount of young players are preventing you from getting the proper investment in some of them. And I think that needs to happen. I think they need to strip a few away. I, I, I think it's Yeah, I mean, if you're going to let Lonzo Ball fire up threes and kind of do his thing, every, you know, when he takes 10 threes, every time he takes a three, it's it's a possession away from a, another player who needs to develop as well. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if I do want to just unleash Lonzo Ball because based on what we've seen so far, it's it's not really going well. And I don't know how I feel about him coming off the bench either. Um, if you do want him around, I just feel like maybe we should start. Maybe we should start him, and just figure out lineup combinations, kind of that work with him. I guess I, I don't think the coming off the it's, bench is working. I don't. I don't think he's playing a whole lot better. I think he is trying to drive more, and that's okay. encouraging. But even then, he doesn't really have. He doesn't really have the skill set to capitalize, not just the free throw argument that you've made and that I think has validity. I think he just doesn't have good touch running towards the rim. We've talked about that before. I don't think he's he's just not wired that way. Like he's just not I don't know. And I, I think I think he can carve out a really good career somewhere. I still do. I think he's I think the three point shot will be fixed. I do. I, I don't think it's gonna be a problem. I think where people think it's a problem is because when he's doing step backs and stuff like that. But that can change when he becomes when he comes into a different role. If he's in a different role, no one like Thabo Cephalosha was never doing step backs, and I don't think he's Thabo Cephalosha. But my point is, if you're a role player where your volume is capped a lot more, I think then you get some of the benefits of the things that Lonzo can do in terms of passing and and hopefully defense. At some point, he hasn't been that good on defense this year at all. Um, not many people have, obviously. Yeah. But. You can get more out of him, and I think a role shift is is necessary for him wherever he is, here, there, or anywhere, until he figures some of these things out. But I do think his spot-up shot is getting better, and I do think he's going to be a reasonably good shooter 
for pretty much his career. I, I do. Like, it looks broken and it looks bad. But when he actually has his feet set, I think he's going to wind up being pretty good. Not amazing, but pretty good. So you have Drew Holiday, prolific defender. You have Brandon Ingram, prolific scorer. And Zion Williamson is supposed to be great at, you know, pretty much everything in the long run. I, what we haven't even mentioned yet is that if the Pelicans go tanking this year and they wind up with a really high lottery pick, let's say pick, I don't know, 30, well, then that's another core player right there. And I don't know, any, you think it is. I don't know anything about, yeah, right, it's projected to be at least. And I don't know anything about this up, upcoming draft class yet, but – Seemingly, that would be a pretty attractive option, I think, for David Griffin if it, you know, we lose a couple more games, and it's mainly just, you know, it seems like it's just us and the Golden State Warriors right now competing for the worst record. We'll have a few more. I think there will be like five or six teams. I we're 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 actually fit like worse than Memphis right now, which is amazing to me. Yeah. I don't know how that's possible. Um, I think if if I were if I were in David Griffin's shoes which will never happen. Um, I would think really strongly about how many young stars you want to develop that are all about the same age. I think Ingram and Zion is a start. I really do. And I think at some level you you can't just, it's risky, but I think if we got a high pick, I would package it with other things. And then I would get an older player who's more established in the 25 to 26 year old range who complements what we think Ingram and Zion are going to be, and I just roll it out. Like, forget about all this, you know, having four or five guys who could all become all-stars. Get two guys that you really feel like can be all-stars, which I absolutely believe Ingram and Zion can be. Maybe keep Drew if he, if he wants to be around. And then get someone else who can just flat-out ball and give up a potentially great player so that you can develop the people that you have in place right now. You can't win with young, all young players. It just doesn't work. Yeah, it just sucks that we're already talking about the offseason, honestly. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It's like this whole podcast, like you and I, I feel like I come, I'm coming across angry. And honestly, I just, I'm just frustrated with this season. And, like, I, I, no, I'm enjoying the watch. podcast, but it's, really, tough it's really hard. I, I have, like, it makes me sad right now to turn on the Pelicans well, and watch the game. They're just not competitive. It's not like you have a bad team. It's like, oh, they're, they're really trying hard and they're competing till the very end and then they, they just can't squeak it out because they don't have the talent or the coaching or whatever it is. We're just not showing up. Why Why no. would fans even go to the game? I mean... It, right, I don't I don't see any... like, And that's like the hard part is, like, can you imagine being part of the Pelicans marketing team right now? Like what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I guess great video when Zion comes when back, the marketing right. team when Zion Williamson was uh, when he got the number one pick, and they cheered and everyone was so happy and things have changed just so quickly. Now it's pro- it's impossible. How can you convince with Zion out at least? I know that they're going to get a little second half surge in the marketing department and the ticket sales when Zion returns, uh, but who knows when that is? First of all, uh, you know because that could be February, and but second of all. Like, what is there to bring fans into the seats right now? I mean, what? what oh, are before we doing? Zion comes back, I mean, nothing. nothing. I mean, besides, you can say, you could say, I, I'll say this: I've really enjoyed watching Jackson Hayes uh, develop in this losing streak. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Jackson Hayes is, is going to be a very good player. Yeah, but I, he's still. I mean, Hayes still got 28 minutes tonight. Part of that was at the you know tail end of the game or whatever. Right. But 
Like Hayes is still getting minutes, and if he's well, getting yeah, if 20 we're getting blown out every game, then yeah, Hayes is going to get right, minutes because yeah. he's coming in and mop up, dude. Well, not mop up, dude. But he, garbage time. But even before that. I mean, so Favors is still working on his conditioning, and that's right. probably part of the reason that Hayes is getting the minutes he's getting. But if Hayes doesn't get 28 and instead he gets 20, I'm still happy with that, or 17 or whatever. I, like, that's enough for me to watch him and to see some growth in him. Like, it's a currency. You you need minutes, and you to give a player that opportunity. Hayes in the core players that we were talking about earlier. I'm shocked that neither of us really thought of him as a core player but yeah he's, uh, he's definitely in there as somebody we're gonna he's build in around. there i think so but i don't think he's i think ingram and zion are the clear number one and number two and i think yeah. you figure out if hayes works with them so in a sense i think hayes will be very good regardless of whether he fits well with them but i don't think he's like you're it's easier to find a hayes than it is to find what i think ingram will become and what zion will become and so in that way i think he's more easily shifted somewhere else if they need to. I'm not. I don't. I'm not wishing that upon him. I'm just saying, like, to me, the hierarchy is very simple. It's Zion, then Ingram, then everybody else, and and Hayes is probably atop that list because I I do like what I've seen from him, and I I'm. It's just fun to watch him. I mean, like, we talk about players not caring. There's no doubt in my mind that Jackson Hayes cares, and that guy's Absolutely. every single night I've watched him. He's leaving it all on the floor. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing sometimes on defense. But I would say he's still like I, he's actually doing a pretty decent job on defense, and he works so hard. I just I I love it. I he's been great to watch. It's been really refreshing. Well, that's a positive shout out. Uh, and before we get into the positive shout outs to end the show, let's talk about the week ahead. Three games this week. We have Tuesday the Pelicans play the Brooklyn Nets at home, and then Wednesday on a back to back we travel to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and that's a team that is on their very own losing streak. They've lost seven straight. And then on Friday, we travel to San Francisco to play the Golden State Warriors. Michael, what are your thoughts on the week? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't have very high expectations for this team. I think we'll beat the Warriors. I guess that's a is that a is that a hopeful thing? I mean, if we go one and two, that's a lot better than you know losing our last twelve games. So yeah, even if you At say we go one and two in the end. next three, then yeah, I, I would say that's actually very optimistic of you to say that. That's right. We're going from whatever like twenty two percent winning percentage to thirty three in a three game sequence. Yeah, and well, thirty three in that and that sequence with the one yeah. win being the worst team in the NBA in terms of right. The right only now. team that can right if they lose, dude. I tell you what, man. If we got, I'm call saying it. this right now. Well, I, I don't know. Like, what do we do if, if we go? I, I kind of want to boycott to the Warriors. If we lose to the Warriors, man, it will be not be a pleasant podcast. Well, it won't be. Our, but then you know, I think fans will be if we lose that game. I yeah. think fans will start talking about, you know, us potentially getting the number one pick or trying to, you know, trying to get right, that, trying to tank there. And I think another reason, and this is kind of good for the Pelicans, is that it's still football season, right? Like fans haven't really, until the Saints either win the Super Bowl or, heaven forbid, losing the playoffs in a dramatically depressing fashion again, um, until that season is over the focus of New Orleans won't really shift the Pelicans. And I think that, you know, you'll have more people putting more pressure on Gentry and that kind of thing, or more pressure on, you know, tanking and trying to get that number one pick. You'll kind of see these fans come out from the woodwork and see what the Pella fans really want to do once the Saints are over. Because right now, 
the Saints and the LSU Tigers are kind of keeping the Pelicans out of the news, which, are, based on the way they're playing, is a really good thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's yeah, I yeah. I'm sorry, man. I have like nothing positive to say besides Jackson Hayes right now. So hey, this, um, you don't have to say <laughs> anything positive. You can just be honest. I know. about this and the honest. Yeah, the honest truth is that this is really, really ugly to watch and. Sometimes there it, there are no positives to this situation. So right, yeah. I mean, we're yeah. I mean we're just being fanboys if we're going to sit here and just compliment the team. I mean, they're in the midst of a twelve game losing streak, and these games aren't close. We're getting blown out yep. seemingly every night. Um, yeah. I mean, tonight wasn't close against the Magic, and it's just it's just embarrassing. I mean, I think that's the only way to put it. Uh, so I do have I have one. Sh- I do have one shout out. Okay, okay. so positive shout out. My positive. <laughs> this is my positive shout out. First of all, Derek Favors. So sad that you lost your mom. Um, it sucks that. I mean, I, it just sucks that he has That's to go your through positive that. Shout out. No, just <laughs> calm down. No, just calm down. So, I, my shout out is that Derek Favors is averaging right now. The stats probably aren't updated, but it was fifteen point five rebounds per thirty six minutes. That is almost more than any other two Pelicans combined. Wow. It's not far. It's it's like a couple rebounds short, but that's crazy. He just needs to get his right? conditioning I, up so we can stay on the court more, yeah. and then he'd obviously have much better re- rebound numbers. Apparently, yeah. Um, so well, that's good. I mean, that's good to know that somebody is somebody would be capable of getting the boards if he's able to stay on the court. Um, right. It, it's just such a shame of everything that's happened to Derek Favors this year. And even beyond the the tragedy of his mother's loss, I'm talking about the way his season even started was getting hurt in the preseason. And then he can't come back immediately because he's not in shape enough because of the hamstring injury to play in the Pelicans' fast pace uh, offense. And it's just – and then he gets that back injury. And then you have the passing of his mother. And then now he's – because of the passing of his mother, he hasn't played basketball in so long. And he missed at least 10 games. Now he's – on a minutes limit because he's not in basketball shape. And it's just sad because nothing has gone right for Derek Favors this year. And he's a good basketball player. He is one of the most talented players when everything's going right on our roster. And we yep. just haven't been able to see it for a litany, a laundry list of reasons. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I guess I turned your positive shout out into a negative one. <laughs> my bad. That's there. okay, man. Okay, that's I'm gonna go. Into- I'm gonna my positive <laughs> shout out here is gonna. I'm gonna get this positive shout out to the TNT broadcast booth with Shaq, Chuck, Kenny, and Ernie Johnson. Uh, they are just must see TV, and I think a lot of people know that they're good, but you don't really know how great they are until you're watching like an NFL preview show or an NFL halftime show where it's just all those ex-ball players, and they're all just like, oh, yeah, you can't hurt your team like that with a penalty there. Yeah, that, that's inexcusable. He needs to play better. You know? And it's just like the most worthless, useless analysis ever. And it's all just so reactionary, and they refuse to make any predictions. And it's just also, you know, yeah, they were ex-ball players, and they might speak pretty well on TV, but they're not funny. They're not entertaining. And it's just not good TV. And I want to give one specific example. Uh, I was watching, I was watching the, the gang the other night, and it was, it was, a, it was after the Pels game, and the Trailblazers were about to play the Clippers. This is about a week ago, and uh, they asked him during the, ha- I think after the game, hey, you know, Ernie Johnson asked Shaq, 
Shaq, what do you expect from Portland tonight? And Shaq goes, well, you're going to see a lot of shooting. And, that, and immediately right there, that sounds like something that, you know, an NFL analyst would tr- actually say and, like, get away with it. But then Kenny said, great analysis, Shaq. <laughs> and then Shaq goes immediately, like without hesitation, let me finish before I punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he, and then he ended up giving you know a decent answer there and he said but the whole point of you know but the whole reason i you know gave a crappy answer there is because portland's eight and 12 and i don't feel like spending a lot of time talking about eight and 12 teams and you know that's just so against protocol these guys are on tnt they're trying to be promoting their next game which is on tnt and Shaq's just saying, you know, why waste your breath watching that game? You know, like, I, I give credit to the network for not pulling that type of – for allowing them to say stuff like, yeah, I'm going to punch you in the face. Or, yeah, like, this game's about to suck. <laughs> you know, I don't know why you right. would watch it. It, is, it. it goes against TNT, and it just reminds me of uh, just how, you know, crappy the – I mean, you're, you're coming from football where it's like – you know, CBS is telling Tony Romo to stop predicting the plays because he's doing too good of a job. So, like, finally they get an analyst there who's, like, good at his job. And they're like, oh, no, you're ruining the game for the casual fans. Like, don't be so smart, you know. And it's just – I don't know. Dude, Romo's great. Romo is, is my favorite. He's by far, my in any sport, my favorite person to listen to. He's and incredible. I'm not exaggerating. Of course. Yeah. I like – all these other guys are mute worthy. Like I just want to, I just want to mute them. And I know, you know, uh, you know, you had Jason Witten on Monday Night Football. You have Booger on Monday Night Football here. It's amazing that the worldwide leader of sports, ESPN, can't get somebody to call Monday Night Football games, which should be like the one of the best jobs in America, I imagine. And out of all the sports fans out there, they can't have someone. Not, I'm not even gonna say good. I'm gonna say decent. They can't even get someone decent to call Monday Night Football games. And I don't know. It just – every time I see the TNT broadcast booth with Shaq and Chuck and Kenny and Ernie, it's just a breath of fresh air, and I just really enjoy watching them a lot. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, every other game, you know, halftime's such a bore. Now it's like I'm almost – especially in the Pelicans play, no offense, I'm looking forward to halftime. <laughs> now I finally get to right. see something entertaining. Oh, I'm looking forward to the end of the game. So, <laughs> yeah, Michael, what uh, what are you expecting to get for Christmas this year, and what and what do you want for Christmas? Oh, man, it's so sad. Like, you know what I really want for Christmas? Sorry. I want I want a coffee bean grinder. A coffee bean grinder. <laughs> wow, you are. That's getting, what I want. You're getting That's, old. I know, man. What about you? Oh, what about me? Well, we just got the new house, so obviously I want a lot of money. But that but that's to use on stuff for the new house, like a fence. I'm still in the situation where I got to watch, you know, stand by my dog and kind of hold her hand while she does her business every night. And, you know, she's a hunter and it's a tragic experience. It takes forever. So we need a fence. And then we also don't have grass in our backyard if you want more details there. So landscaping, that kind of stuff, a fence would be nice. But that, yeah, that's, that's way more exciting. Well, it's exciting, but that's the flaw of it is that you can't really ask, you know, all my aunts and cousins you know for gift exchanges and stuff are like 
hey, what do you want for Christmas? And like, you know, the limit there is like $30. And I can't be like, oh yeah, can you build me a fence in my backyard? Because <laughs> that's that's wow. really the only thing I actually want here. So to your uh, credit, a coffee grinder or whatever you said, I don't drink coffee. It brings joy to everybody. And it's within budgetary. And it's, a, it's affordable, exactly. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, are you expecting to get it or are people going to just hose you this year? Someone's going to get me that coffee grinder or yeah. there's going to be, we're going to have a conversation. Yeah. So. No, seriously. I mean, if that's the only thing you've wanted, then take a real grinch not to get it for you. <laughs> um, anyway, I, th- I think that has to do it here for our Christmas Pelicans pod. I mean, really all we need for Wait, Christmas. No, we got one more. We got one more. Okay. Oh, that's Probably. right. Oh, no, you're going to be, that, that's right. Never mind. No, no, no. We I might have one more out. before Christmas. It just depends on the schedule. I'm actually going to Nashville uh, to watch the Saints play um, in uh, Saints play the Titans next week, and we're kind of doing an early Christmas there, which will be really fun. But, uh, yeah, I think we'll be able to get maybe one more podcast in for Christmas. If it's not before Christmas, it'll be right around Christmas sometime next week or early the week after. But, really, what we really need for Christmas is the Pelicans to actually win a game, Right. And that would be that would be decent enough. Uh, anyway, that has to wrap up this week's episode. And again, I had to end up putting a negative spin on the positive shout out portion. I apologize for that. But thank you so much for tuning in to the Pelicans Cast, which is the official Pelicans podcast for Hoopball.com. Hey, Hoopball's doing this really cool new thing. They're calling it the Bruise Letter. And this is if you're a Hoopball member, which I highly recommend, you can check out this letter by who is a basketball genius, Aaron Bruschke, puts together this newsletter. And I know newsletters don't sound that fun, but this is premier NBA insight from a real pioneer in the fantasy basketball industry. And he will – it's just great stuff. You've got to give it a read. Highly recommended for me. That's the Bruise Letter on HoopBall.com. As always, Mike underscore Pelicans on Twitter. I'm at FantasyLawGuy. And please sign up for anything HoopBall related. And you can also subscribe to our podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Hopefully it's a five-star rating. That will be it. Uh, See you next week. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.